Welcome back for episode 49 of Self-Signed Artist. If you've been doing the music career thing for any amount of time, chances are you have some merch. But are you really making the most of it? Today's episode is a smorgasbord of ideas for maximizing the impact of your merch on your business. You're listening to Self-Signed Artist, the podcast that helps independent musicians run their brand like a business. Now, your hosts, Kobe Nelson and Jake Mannix. How's it going, everybody? I'm Kobe Nelson, and I'm here with Jake Mannix. Hello, hello. How you doing this week, Jake? I'm doing all right. Had some really awesome weather this weekend. Helped out with a little video shoot. Nothing too crazy, though. Nice. How about you? Uh, been pretty busy in the studio. Had a cool jazz session yesterday, um, which I, I don't get to do those super often. So that was a, a fun one uh, and had another big session today. So been busy, which is good. Nice. Yeah, and enjoying it. So I've also been talking to um, a couple bands who are in the process of making some records and stuff like that and are going to be putting stuff out coming up soon. And it's gotten me thinking a little bit about merch. So these days, I think there seems to be a general idea in the music industry about where artists actually make their money. And I hear this all the time, and it gets restated over and over and over and perpetuated by pretty much everybody. And it's this idea that says that artists don't make their money off of music. They make it off of shows and specifically merch at shows. Like, is that something you've heard, Jake? Have you heard that, like, stated? I have heard that. I have heard that. I hear that all the time. But the thing is, I don't know if I feel like that's really true for most artists. Like, do most people really make that much money off of their merch? I don't know. I I haven't done like a comprehensive survey of artists I know or anything like that. But with a few notable exceptions, I don't even know if I know that many people that put that big of an emphasis on merch at all. Like, can you think of anybody, Jake, that you know that like does that really well? Oh, yeah. I think uh, Johnny Two Phones does a pretty good job at that. Nice. Yeah. So there'd be one example. I can think of I can think of maybe two or three people who do that really well. But I don't know. There there seems to me to be kind of a disconnect between like top, top tier artists. And maybe maybe that whole sentiment is true for them that they make a lot of their money off of merch at shows and things like that. But I think for the majority of artists, that's not really the case. Um, So we want to have a little bit of an episode about that today. Uh, And this definitely isn't an episode about how merch is like overrated or anything like that. In fact, it's quite the opposite. I think that merch is underrated and underutilized across the industry for most artists, especially, I think, independent artists. A lot of people might have merch, but it's not used in a way that can really impact the bottom line for their career and actually make them decent money. And I think there are a few key reasons that this is the case. So this is what I've been thinking about this week. And today we just wanna kind of give you some ways to change your merch strategy from a sort of side note, auxiliary part of your music career and brand, kind of like what I was mentioning before, where you might have merch, but don't make a ton of money off of it. You want to take that and change it into one of the major focal points of your brand. And in doing that, 
Hopefully you can become one of those artists that truly does make a sizable chunk of money off of selling your merch. So I guess, Jake, before we dive into some of the specific merch strategies, I just want to have a quick discussion about the most important thing that you need to think about when it comes to your merch. And I don't want to harp on this too much because if anybody out there is like a regular listener of this podcast and you listen a lot, you can probably guess what this main point is, what the main thing you have to think about is because we say it all the time in like every context with your music, with your social media, with your branding. You need to think about, and everybody out there listening, just say it with me, your audience. That is the number one thing that's going to be important when you're thinking about your merch. So Jake, like if we can come up with different examples of who your audience might be that would call for a different merch strategy. Like, I don't know, if your audience is 16-year-olds who listen to hip-hop, that's going to be completely different, I think, than if your audience is like 30-something metalheads, you know? Right, yeah. Like, those two groups of people are going to respond to completely different things when it comes to what the actual merch is, like what the actual item is that you're selling. Yeah. But also like how you go about approaching, yeah, approaching selling that. So I guess, Jake, with those two groups of people, is there anything that you can think of that would actually serve both of those groups? Or do you think that they're going to have completely different either merch items or strategies for marketing merch to them? Um, Maybe not marketing, but maybe like a few items like vintage band tees yeah i guess that's true that that is something that would overlap between those two audiences yeah maybe the point is though i think you have to consider the audience and again we say this all the time so all the things that we're going to talk about today should ultimately come back to that question who is my audience and that goes for pretty much every episode of this podcast that being said I want to talk about the main reason that I think a lot of artists don't actually make that much money off of their merch. What I've been thinking about this week is that a lot of artists have merch, like they have merch available, but they really don't sell merch. So I'll explain what I mean by that. If we paint the picture of a regular merch table at a show, anybody who's been to a show, I think, should be able to kind of visualize this. You walk into the merch area of a venue and it's kind of like hidden off in a corner somewhere. Uh, It's not really near anything else. You really have to like go looking for it. And there's like some guy sitting behind the table with a bunch of shirts laid out on it. Maybe they have like a rack of shirts behind them or something like that. And he's just like kind of sitting there waiting for you to stroll up and ask about something or buy something. Like, does that sound familiar? Can you picture that as like a merch table? Oh, yeah. That's show? literally the the only person I've ever seen working at a merch table. Yeah. It's just some guy. Yep. <laughs> so I, that like that's the way that most artists and bands, I think, approach merch at shows. It's just there and you can buy it. They have merch, but there's nothing about that that I think really sells the merch or encourages anybody at the show to want it, let alone buy it. So I think that there there are some things that you can do, some basic things that help you with that, that don't just make it so that your merch is available, but make it so that people actually know about it 
and people might actually want to buy it. And I think one of the first things that you can do to kind of help with this is just to even be strategic about where you put your merch table at a show. Like, I don't know. I feel like every show that I've been to, is just kind of like put somewhere, like against a wall. And it's not really strategically placed at all. Sometimes it's hard though. Sometimes it's like real estate. Like Yeah, and that's definitely true. You got to get there a few days early to set up and camp. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, depending on the venue and everything like that. But I think if you have any say in it, like you sh- there are a couple places that you should go for. You should go for high traffic areas that people need to pass in order to get somewhere that they want to get. So I think the ideal place is actually like right by the door to the venue. Would you agree with that, Jake? Right by the door, right by the bathroom door, right by yeah. the bar. Yeah, all of those places, right by some place that people are going to want to go for another reason. Like they're going there to go to the bathroom, but they pass your merch table and they see it then. I don't think you should put your table anywhere if you have the option. I don't think you should put it anywhere where somebody has to actually go actively looking for it. Do you agree? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then on top of that, no matter where you put your merch table, and especially if you have to put it somewhere that's not in one of those need-to-go places, you have to have somebody at your merch table who is a magnetic human being. Like, they better be just able to talk to anybody, and they should be actively like reaching out to people to talk to. Yes. Yes. I 100% agree with that. So I'm going to tell a little story quick. Yeah. When I was a senior in high school, my friend's band was in from out of town. We played a show at a local place called Bogies, RIP Bogies. And they had a merch girl and she was nice, super bubbly personality. And like Kobe said, magnetic. So I'm a 2X man at that point in my life. (laughs) (laughs) And she sold me a large shirt. (laughs) And I walked out of there knowing I would never be able to wear that shirt, dude. (laughs) But I bought it. Because she was a magnetic person. Magnetic. (laughs) Sold it. Yeah. I mean, you you need that person at the merch table. If it's... Somebody who's just going to sit there with their feet up on their phone, like waiting for somebody to engage with them. That's never, ever going to work. Even for people who probably do want to buy your merch, you have to have that person who is going to be active in that transaction. So I I would say that's that's a huge thing. Hire somebody who's going to be magnetic there at the table or better yet, if you're that type of person, be there yourself and be that person for your table. And if you're not that person, then you need to find somebody else. I would also say a big way to sell merch at your show is to like just talk about your merch, like in your set even. Like, I don't know, I've seen it done really well where like a front man for a band or something will show a shirt or show a hat like on stage during their set and then like throw it out to the audience for free or something like that. And just make it known to everybody that we have these, you want them. The audience then sees somebody who's excited that they caught this free hat and then let them know that there is more of that at the merch table. Like, does that sound like a decent strategy to you, Jake? It costs you how many dollars to make that hat? Right. You know what I mean? And you're going to sell how many? Yeah. If you can sell twice as many hats because of that, 
well worth giving out a free hat every show. If you sell one hat. Right. Because you gave away one. Yeah. So I think that's one way. You just have to make it known that you have something and do whatever you can to show that that's a desirable thing. So that's kind of the point of throwing something out for free. The audience seeing somebody excited to receive that thing. And I think on top of that, the overall message when you're selling your merch, and this goes for being like at shows or anywhere else, you just need to show your audience why they might want to buy something. And I'd be curious for you, Jake, like if you had to answer the question, if you say you bought a piece of merch from an artist that you really like, and somebody asked you, why, why did you buy that from an artist? Hmm. What would you say? I think about that a lot, actually. It's funny you ask that because (laughs) I don't think about like, oh, what if somebody asked me about this? You know what I mean? But (laughs) I think about like, oh, I want to buy, like Coda the Friend is a fantastic artist, rapper, and he makes, he has a brand, I don't know what it's called, but they they make hats and I wanted to buy a hat. And I think about like why I want to buy that hat. You know what I mean? Like I want to buy the hat. Yeah. And I don't think it's wrong of me or weird of me to want to buy that hat. No. But I think about why do I want to buy that hat? Yeah. I think it's a tough question to answer. And I think that most artists have a big misconception about that question and about the answer to that question. I think most artists think that the reason that somebody would buy merch is to support them as an artist. Like somebody buys your merch to support you. Exactly, yeah. I think that that is absolutely not true. Oh. Not to say that like people don't want to support you. That's not what I'm saying by that. But I think that people, the reason that anybody will end up actually purchasing something from you, a piece of your merch, is to support themselves, the consumer. Uh, And I'll tell you what I mean by that. So like the reasons that people buy things is that it is some sort of representation of themselves. It's either a symbol of their identity, like as a fan or as a cultured person, as a a person who has good taste uh, in you as an artist. Like that, that's a good thing for you. If somebody wants to show that they have good taste by showing that they like you, that's great. Or it makes them feel something about themselves. It's a marker of some sort of status as a member of a group or a marker that they belong to this group of people who are into this certain thing. Like those are the things, the kind of hard to define, hard to describe things that make people actually want something. So I don't think that they're really buying things for the artist's benefit. That being said though, Obviously, if they like you, they do want to support you. And I think that would be most people's answer. Like if you asked a fan at a show, why did you buy that shirt? I think most people are going to say, oh, it's because I'm I'm a huge fan of Mannix. And I I love Mannix. I love his music. I want to support him. That's that's why I'm buying this. And that's not to say that they're lying there. But I don't think that's the whole picture. I think if like Jake, if you as if you dropped a piece of Mannix merch that was like completely lame yeah like i don't know like what what what's like a lame piece of merch that you could drop give us the lamest idea you've got Mm, it's tough because the lame ideas turn out sick (laughs) sometimes yeah um stamps (laughs) 
your face on a stamp. Yeah, okay. Manix, like, manix stamps. <laughs> right. Like, so if you're trying to sell manix stamps, even if somebody really supports you, I don't know that they're going to buy <laughs> your manix stamps. You know, like, there's nothing about that that as a consumer, as a fan, that you can, like, connect yourself to. I don't know. Like, nobody's even sending. <laughs> letters so like there's nothing about that so I, that's actually a really good example um so i think that you you need to have that portion of it they can want to support you and they are supporting you by buying something from you but that's not the whole picture that's not the whole reason it has to be something about themselves as well i don't know does that sound like does that sound messed up or am I making fans in general look bad by saying that, Jake? No, no, because you're that's that's a hundred percent it. Because you want you identify with that artist. So you like want to like sh- I don't know, show that, like represent that. Because it's like you said, like it's it's part of who you are. Exactly. And that's the reason that I think we buy most of the things that we buy, aside from like practical things like I don't know, cleaning supplies or whatever. But even that, like everything that we make a decision on to purchase, I think has that some sort of connection back to us. Yeah. I don't know. Like that's why we've talked about this before. This is why we both like Apple computers. There's a connection to who we identify as people in that purchase. Yeah. Which has nothing to do with computers. It has nothing to do with us wanting to support Apple either. Nope. <laughs> even though we are very much supporting Apple by doing that. So I think the same thing is true for this sort of like fan artist interaction with buying merch. So I think that as an artist who sells merch, it's really your job to not only provide the fans with something that fulfills that desire, that can be that symbol of taste or belonging, but you also need to show them that that's what they're getting when they're buying your piece of merch. And you can't leave it up to them to seek that information out. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. that's kind of the idea of having the merch table hidden off somewhere in the venue. Like the audience has to do a lot of work to find out why they should buy something if that's the case. You know what I mean? You should tell them what you have and show them or tell them why they need to have it and take all of the work away from them. You don't want to have the audience have to take the initiative to see you at the show. They have to remember you if they've never seen you before. They have to then remember you enough to go find your merch table, which like we've said, might be who knows where, and search that merch table to see if there's anything there that you offer that they might like. All of that is like mental effort. And people aren't at shows to exert effort. I don't think like everybody's there to like cut loose and have fun. Like nobody's, nobody wants to go to a show to have to like think, Yeah, <laughs> you know? No way. So yeah, I think that you, you should try and base your strategy on that. Taking as much effort out of the process as possible and have it be more about feeling why they should buy something and be a part of that rather than knowing that like, I don't know, I have to go, I have to go search for this. So, I mean, that that's a, a whole big rant, I guess, on selling merch at shows. Right. But all that being said, let me see if I can give a good example of selling merch at a show in a way that might be more effective than the standard merch table. Jake, if it's cool with you, let's, let's use you as a case study uh, and use your wine shirts that we've talked about once or twice on the podcast before. Sure. Does that sound cool with you? Oh, yeah. So... The wine shirts, uh, for people who may not have heard about that in uh, some of our previous episodes, 
you want to just describe like what you did for those? Man, me and my friends worked on these shirts for hours. <laughs> we went out, bought a bunch of white shirts, a bunch of red wine, and a bunch of spray bottles. And I had a cutout with my logo on it. And we spent hours spraying these shirts, spraying these shirts, spraying these shirts. Did people like them? Did they sell well? Yeah, they sold. They sold really well. Well, not like, like wow, like we're all sold out, but like they sold. Um but yeah, the, the wine ended up washing out with one <laughs> wash and that was about it for those ones. <laughs> well, but I think the point of this is that like it, it sold pretty well because it's it's a cool idea. It's fun. It's unique. Like that's not something that I've seen before. I've seen similar sort of things like bleach shirts and stuff like that. But like it's a cool spin on that kind of spray idea. So I think that has all the elements there for a good merch item. And it's a great start. But I think if you just have those sitting at a merch table somewhere at a show, a few people might wander up and ask about them and stuff like that and buy them. And it sounded like they still did pretty well. But I think that's still leaving it up to chance to a certain degree because it's still leaving it up to the audience to take the initiative and seek out your merch, seek out the table, seek out the information about that shirt and like why it is the way it is and stuff like that to find out that it's a wine shirt and to see if you have anything else that they might like. So I guess as an example, what if as part of your set for this show, you had a song that had some line about getting wine drunk in it? Just say for an example. I don't know if you you have a song that has that, but say you had that in a song. And as part of your show, you're wearing a white t-shirt. Like that's like what you're wearing for your show. And you pour a glass of wine like into your mouth or all over yourself and spill it all over your shirt to connect that back to this merch item that you have that's these wine t-shirts like maybe that's a dumb example maybe that's a little too crazy and gimmicky but like those are the types of things that i think can make a connection with somebody in an audience where they're like okay like he's got these wine shirts I remember this moment in a show where he spilled wine all over himself. Yeah. And that might be a reason to buy a wine shirt. And he has wine glasses also at the merch booth. And he has wine. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's an even better example. Maybe it's like just a wine themed thing at the merch table. He's got decanters. Right. Right. Uh, He has his own vineyard and he's selling Mm -hmm. his... (laughs) He's got a sommelier at the table (laughs) (laughs) selling all the merch. Yeah, we could take it to an extreme. But I mean, like, does that make sense as an example to give something for somebody to connect to? Yeah, yeah. So I think that's kind of the point that I want to illustrate with that. Like, connect your merch back to something other than just a merch item. So make it more than just being about a t-shirt or a hat give something to grab onto. Like this is something that goes beyond shows too. We've talked about mostly shows so far, but I think especially now, like where there aren't a lot of shows going on currently, you can use this same kind of idea in a bunch of different ways. Maybe that's too far, too gimmicky to go in a show where you're pouring wine over yourself. Maybe that would be a perfect thing for a music video. Yeah, that's a good idea too. That could be a merch item where you have these wine shirts because of this moment in a music video that's memorable. So just make it something that has some substance other than just being like a cool design or a cool logo on a shirt or a shot glass or a hat or whatever it is. 
Like that's, it's just a really cool way to tie merch in with like who you are, like make merch even that much more unique. You know what I mean? Right. It's tying it in with who you are, which I think is much more likely to make people who are in your audience tie it into who they are. Right. And you could tie it into your branding. Exactly. It's kind of like it's full circle. It's the big picture. Everything's connected. And I think a lot of people miss opportunities when it comes to that. And just don't put the thought into it and, I don't know, miss out on some of the cool ideas that they could have had. One other thing that I want to talk about a little bit when it comes to merch as well is the types of items that you should have. Because we've kind of just been talking about like blanket items, like merch in general. But I think what you offer and really the, I mean, the expense of individual items is actually pretty important and can drive a lot of business in your merch sales that people don't really think about. Like I think when most people think of merch, they think of the regular stuff that most people do. T-shirts, hats, I don't know, what what other things? Shot glasses. Yeah, that's a common one. Yeah, what else do you see? Wristbands. Wristbands, yeah. Koozies. Koozies, yeah. So I mean like there are these kind of go-to things and that's fine. But I think when you're building your kind of merch catalog, building all the stuff that you're you're going to offer as merch, you should think about it in three separate tiers as far as the value of the item or even like just straight up expense of the item, like how much does each item cost? So you should have three tiers. You should have a cheap tier, which is a low barrier for entry. If somebody likes you even a little bit, they might be tempted to buy whatever it is, that like $2 shot glass or something like that. Um, It's something that's easy to produce. It doesn't cost you a lot to make a bunch of them. So you can just have a ton of them and kind of sell them as little like knickknacks and stuff like that. Pins are also a cool one. One of the first merch items I ever got was a pin. Pins. Yeah. Stuff like that. It's, It's like just easy for somebody to rationalize buying that. It doesn't feel like that big of a deal to buy that. So that's your low barrier of entry option, your cheap option. Then on the other end of the spectrum, I think you should have at least one or two high tier, high expense options. And we'll talk about why this is in a second. But I think you need to have something that is expensive, that most people are gonna look at and say, nah, I can't can't afford that. I can't rationalize spending whatever, $200 on this piece of merch or $300 or $500. Like you can, you can take this really to whatever expense you think you can get. The point of this high expense item isn't to sell a ton of them because I mean, unless you're a huge artist, I don't think most people will sell a ton of them. But the point is to have it because somebody probably will buy it. Like out of all the people who are going to buy your merch, maybe maybe 1% of them buy this top tier item. That's still pretty darn good if it's an expensive item. Like you make a lot of money off of that. I mean, do you see any downside to that, Jake? Um, no, I do not. Yeah. And it's one of those things where like, I think if you don't offer it, like you're, you're not going to sell it. If you do offer it, maybe you, maybe you don't want to buy a ton of them. Maybe you don't even want to buy 10 of them. Maybe you want to buy three of whatever this top tier item is. And if a couple people buy them, that's money in your pocket that you wouldn't have otherwise had. And that's something for, that can be a good thing for connecting with fans too, I think, because 
it has that feeling of exclusivity. You know, it's a, a limited item. It's a scarce item. So as a fan who purchases that top tier item, you feel like the most important fan. You know what I mean? There's something to that, I think. Right. But I think the ultimate benefit of offering a high tier item is that between your high tier item and your cheap item, you're going to have mid tier items, which are going to be the bulk of what you're going to want to sell. You're going to have all the stuff that people expect, t-shirts, hats, all those kind of things that cost whatever, $10, $20. This would be like when people were selling CDs, where CDs would have sat in the in the mix there. Maybe you're selling vinyl of your music that could be in this kind of category. But this is going to be like the bulk of what you're going to try and sell as merch. The benefit, I think, of having these three tiers is that most people are going to see that and want to buy the mid-tier. I think that's a psychological thing. That's That's got to be some sort of like law in psychology, Jake. I don't know if, like, if you saw three things, an expensive thing, a medium thing, and a cheap thing, I know I would feel tempted to buy the medium thing. What about you, Jake? I would feel tempted to look at my wallet first. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say I'd buy the medium one. Maybe contrast that with how you might feel if there was no high tier item. If the what would have been the medium tier item is the most expensive thing that's offered. Mm. See, I'm a bad person to ask because I won't buy little things. Like I know I'm not going to wear the wristband. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I think then maybe you see that, oh, like that shirt is $30. Like, I don't know if I want to spend $30 on it. Maybe I just won't yeah. buy anything. Yeah. The t-shirt prices can be outrageous. So you got to be able to justify it. But if you have something that's a high tier item, that mid tier item doesn't look so bad anymore. Right. That's kind of the, I mean, don't do this in like a sketchy way. Like you don't want to like make something that's like, it's this is $1,500 so that your $50 yeah. shirts like look normal. Like that's not the idea <laughs> here. The idea is just to have the normal priced items priced fairly. But if you have those three tiers of items, people are going to feel better about buying something that they actually want to buy. Have you ever seen a top tier item, an, ex- an expensive tier item? I don't see many people doing that much at all. Like I've seen with bigger bands and stuff like that signed one of a kind things like that, that type of stuff, like a, you can buy their album on vinyl, but it's signed by the whole band. I've seen that type mm. of thing for a higher price, but like, especially with independent artists, I don't see that much. And I think there is obviously going to be a limit on that. Like, I don't know if you're going to be able to sell a thousand dollar thing, or if that would be a good idea to sell a thousand dollars, something just to have like a high tier item. But I think you can still break it up into tiers. Maybe you have um, your, maybe maybe it's not something like a one of a kind, whatever. Maybe it's like a backpack. Like that's a more expensive Whoa. item. Maybe you could sell a backpack for $80. Like if it's actually worth that, you know what I mean? Like whatever the worth of the backpack should actually be would be what you sell it at. But like that could be a high tier item that the fact that you have that makes the mid tier items look a little less daunting but also you're going to have people that want that backpack, you know? Yeah. So like there there's there are different levels that you can take that. But I think the three tiers of options works across the board no matter what those tiers actually break down to as far as price. Maybe your high tier item is $30. If that's the most that you think you could conceivably get from like a few people, maybe that's what works for you. But you just have to kind of consider that. 
what do you think is the thing that 1% of people are going to buy and make that your high tier item at that price? And I think this whole idea of these three tiers really kind of comes down to the idea of supply and demand. Like you have things that are scarce that become your high value things, things that are abundant that are your lower value things, but that all kind of breaks down to benefit for you. There are going to be certain people who fall into those different categories. And I think in general, with buying merch that like yourself, when you're ordering the merch that you're going to sell, less is more in that purchase. Like when you're ordering t-shirts, you don't want to go too, too crazy and order thousands of shirts if you don't think that you can sell that. Maybe if you can sell that, that's fine. But like if that's not something that you know you can absolutely sell out of them, I wouldn't order that number. I don't know, like Jake, I see people doing this fairly well occasionally, but like using that idea of limited supply as a way to talk about merch. Do you see that? Like on social media, people are like, oh, we have like five shirts left. Like if you want one, get it now or they're going to be gone. Yeah, yeah, all the time. Johnny does a pretty good job with that stuff where he'll, he gets really personal with it, with the merch drops. Like he'll do the the pre-sale and he'll post about it a ton and say, you know, this is how many we're doing, or this is the limited amount of time we're having the orders open for, or he'll have his fans vote on the merch designs, Ooh. I think, sometimes. And then, yeah, once once the order is placed, he lets everybody know. And I think some of them get shipped out, like, to the people that, that aren't local, but to the people that are local, I'm pretty sure that he goes and meets up or has people meet him, like, certain places, like, hey, I'm going to be here at this time, Um, If you ordered a shirt, you can come grab it, bring your order number. Yeah. Like all of those things that you just mentioned that he does are good examples of a bunch of the things that we've talked about. Like the idea of pre-ordering and like scarcity that there's only going to be so many of these that get ordered. Like that is this supply and demand idea. The idea of like hand delivering something. That's a really cool idea that I would never have thought to do that. But like as a fan, obviously that's a cool thing. Like, that builds that connection. You're going to remember that piece of merch and have a different feeling about that piece of merch when you wear it because you have this memory connected to it when you met this artist. Yeah. Yep. All of those things are really good ideas that I think a lot of people could take note of. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's absolutely killer with, with the fans and the merch. Yeah. I mean, Jake, when you've made merch in the past, has there been any strategy or any kind of thought process that you've used when it comes to just like how much to order? Um, not really. Just just like what we could really afford at the time. What would sell like, you know, you're not going to order equal amounts of each shirt. Of each size, right? Of, yeah, yeah. Of each size shirt. Um, one mistake that we did make, again, senior year, and I think I talked about this a few episodes ago where, where I was talking about uploading our, our EP while I was in, or not uploading our EP, when I was in a photography class. I don't think and, you did talk about this. No, I, I definitely did. It was with, because um, we were talking about, I didn't know how to get our music on iTunes. And oh, yeah. now, okay. yeah, it's it's totally different. So, yeah. So, my band um, in senior year of high school, when REP came out, we ordered like 100 CDs or something like that. And I still have a box of them, like just <laughs> chilling. We didn't sell nearly as many as we thought. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I think everybody who's been in a band or been an artist and ordered merch has done that sort of thing at some point or another. I think that like the main strategy for that is to think about 
is being like really conservative. Like maybe I don't know if you would agree with this, Jake, but I think it is much, much better to sell out way too early than to have any extras in the end. Yeah, I agree with you right now. 10 years ago, totally disagree. No, we got to have enough. Right. And you're thinking about like your profits. You're thinking like, like, oh, well, if we have, if we can sell a hundred of these, we're going to make this much money or whatever it is, or we're going to get this much exposure. So you're thinking about that. Like, if we can do this, I think the better, (laughs) the better thing to think about is I know for a fact we can do this easily. And like, that's good. And I think selling out of something can lead to some of those things that we were talking about, like that Johnny does really well. Like selling out of something can lead to pre-orders. You could use that in social media and say, oh, like we we didn't order nearly enough of these. We co- we sold out in whatever, a week or something yeah, like that. Yeah. We're going to be placing another order. If you want one, make sure you pre-order it. Like that's, that's a way wow. to drive up demand. Yep. You know what I mean? Let's go. And that shows that it's a desirable thing. Like there are all these types of things that you can do. And I think people just don't really put that much thought into anything. They say like, oh, we have to make sure we have enough or we have to make sure that we have like shirts with our logo on them. And like, that's the end of the thought process. So I don't know. I hope that this episode, this has kind of been like an all over the place episode as far as like things to think about and like advice for making merch work for you and for making money and all that stuff. I hope that this has been just a thought provoking episode where you can kind of look at what you're doing for merch right now, if you're doing anything and see what you could do to amplify that. How can you make it connect back to your audience better? Whether that's something that you do in a show or something that's in a music video or something that connects to a lyric in a song And then how can you drive up the demand for those things, whether it's through tiers of prices for your merch items or the fact that you've sold out or pre-sales or whatever it is. So those are the types of things that we want you to think about, analyze, and hopefully with a little bit of thought, you can really drive up some of those sales and actually make it an important and profitable part of your business as an artist. If there's any merch marketing that you've done or any sort of merch psychology or if there's anything that you guys have done that has worked, be sure to let us know about it. We would love to hear. And yeah, if you're a longtime listener of this podcast, you already know what to do. If this is your first time listening, go listen to another one. (laughs) Go find out from a different episode. And that's all we've got for you on this episode. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Self-Signed Artist. Peace.